Well, welcome to another edition of the Bottom Line Show. Roger Marsh here, Super Tuesday edition of the program. Hope you enjoyed the President's Day uh, celebration that we had yesterday. Boy, that was interesting, wasn't it, to find out how many different states actually don't celebrate what we call President's Day, um, but actually officially is still a federal holiday, Washington's birthday. And it all got started with Abraham Lincoln back in 1862 saying we should make Washington's uh, it had been a national day of celebration and remembrance for a number of years. Uh, Abe Lincoln said, let's make it a national holiday. And then when the Monday holiday, um, uh, when the Monday holiday bill, uniform Monday holiday bill was passed in 1968 and implemented in 1971, uh, that's when uh, basically they said, we're going to call it President's Day under the Uniform uh, Act because it's going to combine Lincoln's birthday with Washington's birthday. But a lot of people have so many misconceptions over what that actually means. Uh, no, we don't honor every president that ever you know, uh, served. It's George Washington's birthday. And that's why nine states say we don't recognize it. I mean, and, and that's you know, like, it's a national holiday, but you know, that's the way it gets recognized. Today here on the Bottom Line Show, we're going to get into, into it. Super Tuesday. We are two weeks away from the Super Tuesday, the first big one where Texas, and California, Colorado are all having their primaries. By the way, if you are not registered to vote yet, today is the last day you can register to vote in the California primaries. Now, it's, it's kind of a, a moot point for many people. Um, basically, because if you do anything with the Department of Motor Vehicles here in the People's Republic of California, you have to, um, basically, you can't do anything without making sure your voter registration is updated. So if you have a, a current driver's license, there's a good chance that you have already got your voter registration all squared away. But if you have not registered yet, we've got that link up at thebottomlineshow.com for the Secretary of State's office, but you have to do it today. If you don't register today, then what happens in two weeks is a moot point. Also, I know there are a lot of Republican voters I'm hearing from people who are saying, yeah, we're really encouraging people to, you know, wait, you know, wait, pray, you know, go in and vote in person on Tuesday, March the 5th. I want to discourage you from doing that. I, I know that sounds crazy. I want to discourage you from doing that. And here's the reason why. By then, it's too late. The Democrat machine with ballot harvesting and everything has worked so hard and so diligently to get the numbers up. Republican conservative numbers in the People's Republic of California are so small. By the time you show up to vote on March 5th, it probably won't matter. So if it's a conscience issue and you want to weigh the odds and, you know, see who's recommending this and this, that, and the other thing and make your best decisions that way, go ahead. But please know that Democrats have already been flooding the early voting and they're piling up the numbers and chances are you hanging onto your ballot until Tuesday, March 5th and going in to vote in person. It might make it, well, what's the old expression? I remember seeing this at a sign one time and it was posted at a place I was working at. And it was just, it was kind of, I can't remember the, the overall expression, but it said, doing a good job around here is like, um, wetting yourself when you're wearing a dark suit it might give you a warm feeling but no one's really going to notice um, that, that's kind of the way I, and again i'm not saying that to to, to to bride anybody i like voting in person i like walking in on the day of the thing i like making sure that there's voter integrity and this that and the other thing i really do but do not be surprised if you see this landslide of democrat votes one thing republicans have to do a better job and god bless jack hibbs of calvary chapel uh, chino hills and the real radio program that it comes on at after the bottom line show every uh, weekday afternoon we're on 3 to 4 30 pacific time on kbrt and then jack's on at 4 30 after that 
um, for being one of the pioneers for churches and Christian organizations to harvest ballots. Um, and, and, and harvest, it sounds so like sinister, doesn't it? Like uh, you know, we're, we're trying to get away with something. Really not. I mean, ballot harvesting, I'll give you an example of what ballot harvesting means. It means, quite frankly, that if somebody is not able to get to the polls for whatever reason, and they have a hard time even getting that stamp on the envelope and putting it in the mailbox, which for some people is tough, especially for our older friends. Ballot harvesting means that you just go collect those ballots and bring them to a drop-off place like Calvary Chapel, Chino Hills, that's, uh, that's authorized to receive those ballots, and then you turn them in for them. It's perfectly legal in the state of California to do this. The issue is integrity. And what happens on the Democrat side of the equation, if you saw the, the Dinesh D'Souza movie, was it 200 mules or 2,000 mules? Um, they showed how just a few no people working diligently to harvest ballots from people who may or may not have wanted to vote. <laughs> what I mean by that is they may or may not have harvested the ballots out of their mailbox and filled them in for them. If you've ever had this happen, it happened to me in the 2020 election. Uh, not that my ballot was taken out of my mailbox, it wasn't. But by the time Lisa and I went to our local polling place, it was a local school, uh, we went and we brought our materials. We, we just wanted to turn in the stuff we'd already filled out. And when we went to go sign up, it turned out someone had already voted under Lisa's name. And we had to get that squared away. They had to go through and they had to dig through that ballot and shred that one. And then it was a long drawn out process. But it happens. You'd be amazed at the number of people that we were around who were going in to hand in their ballots. And they hadn't mailed them in yet. That was the thing. If they had mailed them in and said, oh, I need a ballot and whatever. And they said, well, you've already voted. That's one thing. That's illegal. You can't vote twice. But if somebody else gets a hold of your ballot, and now that People's Republic of California and a lot of other states are sending out what I call live ballots instead of the sample ballot, people can actually use those to vote. This is why conservatives fight so hard against these lackadaisical, lackadaisical loosey-goosey um, ways of doing the ballot counting. The fact that anybody could get, I mean, they get, could get delivered to the wrong address. I mean, there are so many different ways where there's voter fraud. And as we shared yesterday, that Heartland Institute Rasmussen poll, 20% of people who voted mail-in in the 2020 election, and that's 43% of the electorate, 43% of those people voted by mail-in, and one out of every five said, I probably did something illegal. And the most common thing that they did illegal was they voted in a county or they voted in a state where they weren't actually registered to vote. When my daughter Emily and her husband Brian moved to Conroe, Texas, was it a year ago? Well, almost two years ago now. And uh, daughter Taylor and her husband Christian moved to uh, uh, Dallas area. They had to re-register as Texas residents. And Taylor had been registered in California. We kept getting her stuff. And we're like, honey, you got to change your paperwork. I'm sure there were a lot of people who may have voted, if they did, the California to Texas or New York to Florida. It's, very, it's an honest mistake, right? You move from one state to the other and you don't change your voter registration and someone sends you that ballot in the mail and you fill it out and send it in. Well, boom, you've just committed voter fraud. You didn't even know it. If you have registered and if you're registered in one state or one county and you've changed residences where you've changed counties or you've changed states, you have to re-register in the new county or state you're in and you have to let the registrar voters know to stop sending you stuff to your old address. And they're like one out of every five people who voted by mail, according to this Heartland Institute Rasmussen poll, 
voted illegally. Now, that's not <laughs> the assumption then is, see, that would have changed the course of the election. Well, not everybody who voted that way voted for Joe Biden, necessarily. Statistically, since Democrats vote are much more likely to vote by mail than Republicans, yeah, you could say percentage-wise that could, in fact, have happened. But the reality is mail-in voting created so much confusion, so much chaos, and then for the registrars of voters all across the country to say, oh, yeah, everything that came in was perfectly fine. There was no tampering. There, the signatures all match. The, the, the verification, it's all uh, well and good. There's only one person I know who has engaged in ballot harvesting who has ever been accurate and told the truth, and that is my sister. My parents, as you've heard me share uh, many times here on the Bottom Line Show, a lovely couple, uh, mom and dad are both in their 90s. They just turned 90 last June, which means they're turning 91 this June. When it came to voting, they got their stuff in the mail. They have been voting uh, absentee for a while. Uh, my dad got his stuff. My sister helped him fill everything out. Uh, they don't agree on a lot when it comes to the way they vote. I'll just leave it at that. But Linda made sure that dad had a chance to fill everything out the way he wanted it filled out. And if he couldn't figure out where to color the bubble, she did it for him. He signed it and she put it in an envelope and then put a stamp on it and walked it to the mailbox. That's how ballot harvesting is supposed to work. My mom misplaced her ballot doesn't know where it is, has the envelope, <laughs> doesn't have the ballot. So my sister contacted the registrar of voters and said, we lost the ballot here. Uh, will you please send us a, a duplicate, which they will do. I Hopefully that's arrived. And then my sister will fill out that ballot with my mom together. She'll put it uh, in the envelope, put a stamp on it, and put it in the mail. That's how ballot harvesting is supposed to work. Now, my sister could have very easily said, Dad, I don't think you want to vote for Adam Schiff. I mean, I don't think you want to vote for uh, Steve Garvey. Here, let me help you color that in. She didn't do that because she respects my parents. She honors them. It's a biblical thing to do. I'll give my sister a little pat on the back here. But you see, ostensibly, that's what the left tells you is going to happen with ballot harvesting, and it doesn't happen. It doesn't. I mean, it's just, you know and I know what happens. Somebody grabs a hold of the ballot and says, oh, don't worry, Mrs. McGillicuddy or Mr. Muck and Schmuck. We'll figure that out for you. You just give us your ballot and we know how you're going to vote. So we're just going to fill all that in for you. And they do this hundreds of times. And then you wonder why people are, well, why are those Republicans all mad about your know, election integrity and stuff like that? And remember what happened to Georgia? I mean, I use that as a classic example. You had Stacey Abrams, the failed candidate for uh, governor in uh, 2018, the one who denied that Brian Kemp had actually won the election, the Republican guy, uh, then led the war path for Donald Trump's an election denier. Anybody who thinks that Donald Trump is an election denier. And then they passed all the common sense reforms, all the things that, you know, tied up all the loose ends of what happened in 2020. There was an election integrity bill that passed in 2021 in Georgia. And what happened? The left went nuts. Democrats went crazy. This is, remember, Joe Biden, the famous uh, quote, this law is Jim Crow on steroids. Basically, it's going to set the African-American people back uh, 100 years in terms of voting rights. And what happened? 2022 midterms rolled around, highest turnout, of a midterm election ever in Georgia, more than higher turnout than they ever had for African-American voters in Georgia. Why? Because they passed election integrity laws? Because those laws actually made it possible for people to vote with a certain level of integrity? Who'd have thunk? 
So a little preamble rant here to talk about now an issue that's becoming a big deal for the body of Christ, and that is the role of the Christian in the political world. The role of the Christ follower when it comes to politics. Bunny Pounds is a woman who spent 16 years as an operative, if you will. She worked on Capitol Hill. She worked through um, a variety of different challenges and even was challenged by God into say, hey, wait, you've been working behind the scenes, but I want you to run for office. She didn't know exactly how that would all work, but nonetheless, she did. She was not successful but has some fascinating stories to tell about her journey. She's written a new book called Jesus and Politics, One Woman's Walk with God in a Mud-Slinging Profession. It's a fascinating look at Christians in politics and the political world, and he even features a, an afterword by the Honorable Michelle Bachman, former uh, United States Congresswoman from uh, Minnesota. We're going to give away a copy of this book at the end of our conversation, but Bunny Pounce is going to join me next to discuss it. By the way, if you want to get in on the drawing for this book, 800 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Super Tuesday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marshall. It's always great to have someone have a conversation with us about the faith and politics conundrum. A lot of people in the body of Christ are just kind of throwing up their hands and saying, enough, I'm not going to do this anymore. It's too confusing. I don't know where my faith ends and my political loyalties begin. And then comes along someone like Bunny Pounds, who we've had on the Bottom Line Show before. Uh, Bunny has a very unique testimony to share with us. She is the founder and president of Christians Engaged, which is a nonprofit organization that really seems to help awaken us in the body of Christ, to educate us and to empower us to, to pray and to get engaged on this issue. She served for a number of years as a political consultant and actually has helped members of Congress run their campaigns. And then she ran for Congress herself in 2018. So she's more than just your average voter, but she's got a story to tell. And she tells it in her new book called Jesus and Politics, One Woman's Walk with God in a Mudslinging Profession, which is just now out. It came out a week or so ago, and it's up at thebottomlineshow.com. Bunny Pounds, welcome back to The Bottom Line Show. It's great to be with you, Roger. Always great to talk about Jesus and liberty. I love it. I love it because that's a lot of places where a lot of Christians now are saying, okay, I don't think I have a place at the table anymore. I really don't think that I can live out my faith and go to the polls and vote the way my conscience is because there are people on both sides and even sometimes inside. You know, it becomes a circular firing squad with a lot of believers saying, oh, you can't vote like this and still be a Christian. And that's got to be a challenge. But you've you've lived it from a lot of different angles. Kind of give us a 35,000 foot overview. When you talk about Jesus and politics, what are you referring to? Yeah, well, I hope to inspire Christians that have not seen a good testimony. Um, You know, my testimony is that I've been involved. I've worked for members of Congress. I ran for Congress. Um, You know, I've been involved as a homeschooling mom and also as a professional for over 16 years. And I still love Jesus, Roger. That's a miracle, Mm. I'm telling you. (laughs) And so I want to inspire Christians and give them a a story that there are people out there walking with God, trying to hear His voice, trying to stay in the place of prayer and stay in the Word of God and operate within government and politics. And, you know, frankly, it's hard. You have to watch your heart. You have to watch your soul. 
You have to overcome offenses, bitterness, and unforgiveness. You have to get over anger and fear and pride and all the things that attack us in our Christian walk, but it's even more amplified in government and politics, I feel. And so I wanted to inspire Christians that have not gotten involved. Hey, you can do it, and you can walk with God in it. And what we do with Christians Engage is train you and teach you how to do that. But also those that are involved already and that claim the name of Christ, we need to act differently. We need to be differently. We are not of this kingdom. And uh, sometimes we get into the mud, and we get into the mud slinging, and we forget that we are bought by the blood of Jesus, and we're supposed to look like Jesus. And so I want to really inspire both of those categories of people, and I do it through uh, this book. We, it's kind of an intimacy with Jesus book disguised as a political book, actually. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but I really want to teach people how to walk with God, how to disciple uh, the nation one heart at a time. For me, it's been one politician and member of Congress at a time. Um, But we really, uh, as believers, have an opportunity to walk into our communities and into our network of people that we know and take Jesus into those places and to love people and speak the truth in love and disciple people on what it means to be a follower of Christ. And sometimes we, we don't do that because we're scared or we're scared of, you know, cancel culture or we're scared of of people pushing back on us, but really that's the only way that people are going to know Jesus is for you to walk Mm -hmm. in those places and do that. Mm, That's encouraging. Bunny Pounds is with us today here on The Bottom Line, founder and president of Christians Engaged and the author of a brand new book called Jesus and Politics, One Woman's Walk with God in a Mud-Slinging Profession. We have that book linked up at thebottomlineshow.com. And before we go any further, Bunny, I I would be uh, remiss if I didn't mention the, the fact that you're a graduate of Christ for the Nations, Dallas Baptist University, but maybe most importantly in this whole approach to politics is that you are a wife. You and Tim have nearly 30 years of marriage, and you're still, they're probably at least 15 or 20 of the happiest years of your lives, I would imagine. I'm sure there's a couple of tough ones in there too, but you raised two grown sons. They're now married. They have children of their own. And so as a wife, a mom, and a grandmother, you're looking at the American political landscape and saying, okay, right now it seems like for a lot of people, it's either all in, and if we don't win, that's the end of America and the end of the world, or ah, it's got so dirty, it's, it's gotten so awful that as a Christian, there's no way I can keep my faith and get involved in the political fray. And so I love the fact you said this is a Alone with Jesus book that's kind of disguised as a political book. But a lot of the, one of the things that you talk about in this book, Jesus and Politics, is that many people have forgotten, I think, in the body of Christ, that there is some good to be had. If you look at the people who endorse this book, from Scott Walker to Rafael Cruz to Robert Jeffress, I mean, you're talking about politicians, you're talking about pastors, and that list goes on. Penny... Uh, Penny Young from uh, Penny Young Nance from Concerned Women for America is you know, a big proponent of this too. Oftentimes, we as Christians, we will we'll look at the political world and say, "Well, it's just so bad. There's really no redeeming it." You you have a whole chapter about the fact that it's really not inherently evil. Talk about what you mean by that. We we tend to think of our world in still these divisions of secular versus sacred. You know mm-hmm. what we do in the church in our Sunday school that's sacred. Um, what we do in our businesses, well, you know, that's a mixed bag. Um, you know, it, it, that's not true, though. If we're Christ followers, we are to be fully His. 
You know, the greatest commandment Jesus said was for us to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love our neighbors as ourselves. Well, if anyone's tried to love God with all their heart, soul, and mind, and strength, that's really difficult. Loving their neighbor as herself is even more difficult. Uh, Anybody been around people lately? That's really hard. Um, But we do it because we have been changed from the inside out. His grace has changed us. And so wherever we go, whatever we do is then sacred. I love that you brought up my family because our families are truly our greatest trophies of grace. You know, no children grow up in a family thinking their mom and dad are perfect, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I, I, think, I, think one, <laughs> I think one thing Tim and I have done well, um, and, and thank God our 28 and 26-year-old sons love Jesus. They married great women of God and, and are raising godly kids. But I think one thing we did was show our vulnerability, show our mm-hmm. transparency, that we, we struggle just like everybody else, but we need God in our life. We need Jesus, and we're dependent on Him every day. So if we are doing that, whether that's uh, in our Chamber of Commerce or our Homeowners Association or our public school or our businesses, if we are truly God's and He and we're truly putting our lives in His hands and we're truly being vulnerable to the people around us, they have to be affected by that, Roger. Mm-hmm. They have to be. And the problem in the American church right now, and I'm going to go off on this for a second, is that we forget we're His. We forget we're dependent on Him. And so we're not running to the Bible every day. We're not running to prayer every day. We're not talking to God about what's happening in our nation. Um, And so, therefore, we look like everybody else walking around. And that's why people were like, well, you know, I don't know if I need God. I don't know if I need Jesus. That Christian that I communicate with, they, they don't seem like they're that desperate for God. So maybe mm-hmm. I don't need him either. Exactly. And and so, you know, part of my testimony, and I, I love some of the stories that I was allowed to share in this book. Um, I had to have about 10 members of Congress sign off on their stories being used. But it's really about just a simple staffer, you know, me, walking beside them, going on an airplane with them, speaking the Word of God over them, encouraging them on a, a point that they needed to know or encouraging their families, um, you know, praying over them healing when they were walking through a cancer diagnosis, um, trying to see people by the Spirit, not just as a person of influence in Congress, but someone that needs more of Jesus in their life. Amen. And I think we miss so many opportunities, Roger, in life uh, to just see people in that way. And if we did, man, we could really change the nation one heart at a time. Personal injury attorney Stephanie Cover of Cover Law will fight for justice on your behalf. She has to fight because no insurance company will willingly pay what you've lost after an accident. When you're in an accident, you take legal action simply to be restored to where you were prior to your injuries. Money may be needed for medical treatment, financial restitution for lost time at work, or any other thing that you've lost as a direct result of the injury. Stephanie's desire is for justice, to find what was taken from you due to your injury and have it restored for you. Stephanie will become your advocate, passionately helping you make sure that your doctor's appointments are productive, the insurance companies are being honest, and she'll make those calls that you don't have time for. Go with Kay Bright's trusted personal injury attorney who will help make you whole again. Stephanie Cover at kbrightradio.com slash C-O-V-E-R and get back to your life. 
Welcome back to the Super Tuesday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Hope you're enjoying this conversation as much as I am. Bunny Pounds is with me today here on the Bottom Line. That's B-U-N-N-I and then the Pounds, just like it sounds. Ah, that rhymes. Uh, <laughs> she is the founder and president of Christians Engaged, which is a nonprofit organization that really seeks to awaken, educate, and empower us as Christians to pray and vote and engage regularly in efforts to improve our nation's well-being. She was a political consultant for 16 years, helped members of Congress run their campaigns. In 2018, she actually ran, ran for Congress herself. She was the only woman who made the Republican runoff in her district in, te in Texas uh, out of the six open seats that were there and is the only person in the U.S. to be endorsed by Mike Pence when he was vice president during that primary season. Um, she and her husband, Tim, have been uh, uh, slinging this out in the political world for many, many years. Her book is called Jesus and Politics, One Woman's Walk with God in a Mudslinging Profession. And if you are curious I mean, about whether or not to run for office, but also what it's like for a Christian to say, okay, I want to work in this arena. How do I keep my faith? How do I keep my wits about me, uh, not lose, not blow my witness, but still have an influence in the political world? The last thing we need is for Christians to just basically um, run away, you know, and, and bury our heads in the sand and not engage. I think the question is, how do we do so effectively? How do we do so as Christ would have us do so? And Bunny's got some great stories to tell, some wonderful anecdotes, and uh, and very encouraging uh, message in her book called Jesus and Politics, One Woman's Walk with God in a Mudslinging Profession. We've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com, as well as a link for Christians Engaged, how you can learn more about what their organization does to help empower the body of Christ. We're giving the book, Jesus and Politics, away right now, 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. On the other side of this break, uh, with the conclusion of my conversation with author and activist Bunny Pounds, coming up next as the bottom line continues. Bunny Pounds is with me today here on The Bottom Line, the founder of Christians Engaged and the author of a brand new book called Jesus and Politics. It's one woman's walk with God in a mudslinging profession. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Uh, we, we talk about the fact that politics is not inherently evil, but oftentimes we as Christians treat it like it is because we act like God's not really in the equation. Uh, I had a, the conversation, this is probably, I want to say four or five years ago, Virginia Fox, I believe from North Carolina, a congresswoman, uh, wrote a book called God is in the House and then also in the Senate. And she talked about the number of people who are on Capitol Hill, just nationally, who are Christians. And I thought, that's so interesting because it doesn't seem like the whole body acts like that. You know, I, you have to wonder what kind of influence they have. You saw what it was like to help run a campaign. You actually ran a campaign, ran for office in 2018 in Texas. Um, what What's it like? I mean, how much did you feel like you were compromising? How much did you have to hold back? Did you really feel like you could be your full Christian self when you were running for office back in 2018? I did, Roger, but I also knew what I was getting into. I, I walked in with eyes wide open, having run campaigns for 14 years. You know, we made sure to cite every uh, thing that we said on a mail piece about my opponent. We made sure that it was in black and white at the bottom of the mail piece where we got that information. If we were talking mm -hmm. about his record uh, in office, we made sure it was cited. Um, you know, some people don't do that very well. You're supposed to do that, but you know, a lot of times you're leaving people a half truth, right? Mm. Uh, we try to do it the best way we could. It is is difficult um, in this profession um, 
to you have to win. You know, you don't have any power. You can't do anything if you don't win. So it makes it very difficult for Christians. But I will tell you this. I have a lot of friends on Capitol Hill right now. There is great men and women of God serving that are going into their Bible studies once a week together, crying out to God for wisdom and discernment. Um, They're not perfect. You know, they make mistakes. Uh, Some of them are in part of the Freedom Caucus. Some of them are in leadership fighting against the Freedom Caucus. You know, (laughs) it doesn't always look... Um, it doesn't always look so cut and dry. Sometimes we think if someone's a Christian, they should all have the same opinion on every right. single issue. Mm-hmm. That's not necessarily true. But the thing I found is, as Christians, if you get to know your elected officials, you get to know your member of Congress, you go walk in a parade with them, you go to their town hall or their coffee with the congressman. You go to their little $25 a year fundraiser and support them and build a relationship with them. They get more and more isolated the longer they serve in Washington, D.C. or in your state house or state mm. senate. Um, and they really appreciate down-to-earth people that will pray for them, encourage them, and hold them accountable when they need that. Um, and and what better way to do that is to build a relationship with them and and you know, build a friendship with them. Yes. Well, that's great counsel from Bunny Pounds today here on The Bottom Line. We're talking about her brand new book called Jesus and Politics, which is up at thebottomlineshow.com. It's an account of one woman's walk with God in a mudslinging profession as a political advisor, as one who is a an activist of sorts, but I think the good kind of activist. Oftentimes we hear that word activist, and we think, well, they're just out for, you know, some special interest group and, and not necessarily trying to engage the body of Christ in the whole in the body politic, which you do. And we've got a link for the book, of course, up at thebottomlineshow.com. Most of us are aware, Bunny, of the fact that if you look at the two main political parties right now and compare the campaign platforms, you would say, well, it's kind of a no-brainer. If you're a Christian, you really can't support the Democratic Party platform, so therefore, you're kind of stuck with the Republican Party platform. But there are some prejudices that you've seen on both the left and right that's not necessarily Democrat versus Republican, but leftists versus fundamental rights people, um, or I guess the right wing, the, the media would call it. What are some of the prejudices that we have as Christians that could be potentially that proverbial log in our eye that's keeping us from getting the speck out of our brother's eye when it comes to the political mudslinging that you engaged in? Well, we realize that there's racism in our world. We realize that sometimes we look down on people that are from different social economic classes than us, whether we want to or not. We identify some things in our hearts related to that occasionally, But we don't really think about partisan politics being a prejudice that has crept into our own souls. And and I want to call Christians to realize that we're kingdom people first. We say that, but do we really act like it? And um, I remember my former boss, Congressman Jeb Hensling, served as chairman of financial services, and he was a strong fiscal conservative, social conservative uh, Christian that went to the Word of God every day for his source. And he had to serve with Vice Chair, Chairwoman Maxine Waters. Mm. Uh, you know, they were antithetically different in the way that they viewed life, the way their worldview was, the what mm-hmm. they wanted to push in their committee. But every week, Jeb would get together and have lunch with her, and she would eat her, drink her tomato soup that he always said. <laughs> she ordered the <laughs> same thing every week. And they tried to find co- some common ground. Now, was mm. that easy? No, it's difficult. 
especially in a polarized society where everybody's right. just screaming at each other on social media all day long. But, you know, I had a, a dream, and I share about it in the book. I don't really dream, Roger. I don't have dreams from the Lord usually. But I had a dream. I was standing before Congressman Beto O'Rourke, and I was telling him, and again, I worked in the Republican Party for the most part, um, but I was telling Congressman Beto O'Rourke, who ran for president and ran for governor of Texas here against our governor, Greg Abbott, that God loved him, loved his family, and saw his servant heart towards people— but that he wanted him to know him more and know his word more. And I thought, this is crazy that I'm dreaming about this Democrat politician. And I thought, maybe God is trying to uh, deal with something in my own heart. I'm standing in front of churches, and I'm saying we need to be praying for all of our elected officials, regardless of whether they have an R or a D behind their name. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But do I really believe that deep in my heart? And let's just say, Roger, people can buy the book, but I, I had a, a divine encounter with Beto three months later in Laredo, Texas, where I'm standing wow. in front of him saying that exact thing. And uh, we started texting a little bit after that. And I'll tell you this, I, I don't know how much that meeting affected Beto, but it utterly changed my life because mm. I realized that God sees people differently than we see them. Mm-hmm. And that he's after people's hearts, and he wants to pull them into more of a relationship with him and more of a relationship into his word. And how are they going to see that word or see Jesus if we don't communicate with them or pray for them? Now, so wait a minute. I just want wait to encourage minute. everybody that God is bigger than their partisan yeah. politics. I was going to say, wait a minute, Bunny Pounds. I mean, here you are as the founder and president of Christians Engaged, and you've got this kind of, you know, conservative, biblical worldview going on here. We're not supposed to be changed. We're supposed to be the instruments of change, right? Well, I'm being a little sarcastic there, but I love what you're talking about saying, hey, I don't know what it did for him, but God spoke to me in a dream, and I shared this with Beto O'Rourke, and I was changed. And it's amazing how many of us, I, I would boldly say, are afraid that if they do engage, if they do reach out and say, okay, I'm going to bring the gospel into this political conversation, that God might say, oh, good, because there's some stuff I want to work on with you. I mean, ultimately, don't you want your coach to pull you alongside and say, wait a minute, there's something we need to work on here. I think one of the sins that we commit too often in the culture as Christians is thinking, okay, we know what the truth is. We know who the truth is. So therefore, everything we do is right and perfect instead of saying, wait a minute. I mean, I know I can tell you from hosting the show in our 13th year now how much my heart and mind has changed toward, quote unquote, the opponents that we come across just in having conversation with them, seeing the way things play out and seeing what God is revealing you know, to me through conversations, even just like this one here too. And I'm grateful that we've been able to have it. Bunny Pounds is with me today here on The Bottom Line, founder and president of Christians Engaged. It's an excellent nonprofit organization that will help you help uh, educate, awaken, empower other Christians, as well as your own life, to pray and vote and engage regularly to improve the efforts to uh, make this a better nation. I mean, not that we are trying to, you know, Christianize the culture. I don't know that we are we're called to go into all the world and preach the gospel, but we are going to have an impact. Uh, Bunny, take the last couple of moments of our time together, because I know we're going to have more conversation as the campaign trail wears on. When you see the way things are lining up right now in terms of the presidential races, but also the gubernatorial races, you know, you keep your finger on the pulse all across the country. Is there an overarching theme story of something that we're getting right as Christians who vote? And is there an area where we need to improve? I think we're all waking up to the fact that we can't worship a person 
that, you know, a certain political person is not going to save us, Mm -hmm. um, that we have to look ultimately to Jesus. But we have to make hard decisions as believers, Roger. We, you know, Jesus is not on the ballot. We have to pick between imperfect people. So that's what we do every day. Christians take our pledge to pray, vote, and engage. We send them a weekly prayer for our nation, a video, a scripture to remember to stop and talk to God about it. We help them uh, vote in every election for with four texts and four emails with a simple guide to print off their ballot for a local election, a primary, whatever the election is. Um, and then we help them through our classes and on-demand video curriculum to engage, to get into city government, to get into state government, federal government, chamber of commerce, life, whatever that looks like for them. Um, but ultimately, we do need Christians involved. We need to be Christ followers in the places of influence in our culture. But as we've talked about so lengthy on this program, we have to be uh, watching our hearts constantly and mm-hmm. making those choices. Um, reminder that who we're voting for president will elect or will put in everybody in the executive branch, uh, will put in every judge. That matters. Um, we have to look at those kind of things, and we have to make choices. But even on the local level, um, research your candidates. Read what they say about themselves in their, out of their own mouth on their websites, on their social media f- pages. You can research your ballot in less than 30 minutes and go in more informed than anybody else. And we help you do that at ChristiansEngage.org. I love that. ChristiansEngage.org will have up at TheBottomLineShow.com. That's where you can find more information about Bunny Pounce's great new book called Jesus and Politics, A One Woman's Walk with God in a Mudslinging Profession. And we've got uh, the information about how you can get engaged with ChristiansEngage.org as well. Bunny, thank you for the time. Again, I mentioned we'll, we'll have more conversations with Bunny Pounds during the course of the election. But for now, thank you for congratulations on the book, for telling your story, for encouraging so many of us, and for being with us today here on The Bottom Line Show. Thank you so much, Roger. It's a blessing. And everybody go walk with Jesus, and you can change the nation one heart at a time. Well, a great conversation with Bunny Pounds today here on The Bottom Line. She's the founder and president of Christians Engaged. It's an outstanding, uh, kind of like My Faith Votes, I Voter Guide, uh, Election Forum. So many great faith-based organizations that help equip us as Christians to be better informed, be better educated, so we can be more effective with our votes. Uh, we've got all those links up at thebottomlineshow.com in addition to the link for Bunny's book called Jesus and Politics, One Woman's Walk with God in a Mudslinging Profession. Uh, we are giving away one copy of that book right now and would love to place it into your hands. 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, is the number to get you through to the bottom line. On the other side of this break, a couple of interesting stories, one out of Oregon, where a number of conservatives have basically been kicked off the ballot this year uh, over a technicality. We'll explain why that is newsworthy coming up. Also, you ever wondered why it is that so many people who are uh, biblical in their faith have such a hard time pulling the lever, you know, using, I realize you use the push buttons down in the polling places, but pulling the lever for the right candidate. I got a, an interesting story from the Times of Israel that's going to help us frame this argument a little bit better with regard to how many people really live out their faith and how many people have a cultural biblical worldview that sometimes gets muddied when you look at things like abortion and death penalty and things of that nature. That's all coming up next as the bottom line continues. 
I can't say enough about preborn, and I'm going to keep talking about them because I love what this organization stands for. Basically, what they stand for is the truth, the truth and the science, the truth and the science and being honest about the situation that a woman is facing when she is facing an unplanned pregnancy. Did you know this is a problem within the church? 60% of the women who have abortions in the United States do so after already having given birth at least once. 54% of the women who have abortions in the United States are church-going women if not Bible-believing, born-again Christians. So what does that say? It tells me that we in the church need to do a better job of educating people as to what's really going on when a woman tests positive for pregnancy, as they say. Go to a pre-born clinic, they'll do the pregnancy test, then they will do an ultrasound. And the ultrasound technology will show you the pictures of the child in the womb, and then they'll tell you the three options, not the two that the abortion clinics. Abortion clinics say, either you're gonna be a parent that's gonna be expensive and ruin your life, just have an abortion. The third option is adoption, and Preborn recommends adoption every single time a woman comes in with an unplanned pregnancy. 85% of the women who go to a preborn clinic and have the ultrasound choose life for their baby. You can help in this effort. Make your one-time donation to Preborn today. Go to kbrightradio.com and click on the Preborn banner. My thanks again to Bunny Pounds, the founder and president of Christians Engaged, an outstanding, uh, I hate to call it political activist group, but it's, a, it's an equipping and educating group of uh, fellow Christians that help us as believers take a look at what's happening in the world of politics and then how do we engage the culture with a biblical worldview. She's the author of a book about her journey as working as a uh, behind-the-scenes campaign strategist on Capitol Hill and even a political candidate in the state of Texas back in 2018. Her book is called Jesus and Politics, One Woman's Walk with God in a Mudslinging Profession. 800-227-5278. We do have a copy of this book we're giving away today. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. You know, we were talking about faith and politics and, and how that plays out. And one of the things that has always fascinated me is the number of people who will hold to biblical values in their personal lives or so identified as such. And then when it comes to pulling the lever on election day, uh, they wind up voting in ways that you say, wait a minute, that, you're, you're voting like secular leftists. Um, one of the more interesting aspects would be like, for example, in the Catholic Church, the number of Catholics who vote Democrat boggles my mind. The one issue you would think that would unify the Catholic Church in the voting booth is the sanctity of human life. And it's amazing how many people who say, look, I'm a Catholic. Um, I've had the uh, the leadership of uh, Catholics for Life on the Bottom Line show before, and they'll say the same thing. Well, yes, we are anti-abortion, we're anti-contraception, but we love government expansion of uh, any kind of uh, government program to help help people with disabilities or you know the uh, the age of the elderly, and they see that as all one and the same. Well, I don't want to see those people in those categories not receive the help and assistance that they need. I just don't want to put my faith and trust in the government for all that, especially if the government's saying, look, we'll give you more senior care money, but we're also going to give money to Planned Parenthood to kill children and to engage in cross-sex hormone therapy, as they call it, quote unquote, for people who are, you have kids that want to mutilate their bodies because of gender dysphoria. Well, uh, there was a poll conducted by the Times of Israel uh, with regard to the American election. I think it's very interesting. Um, it's a poll that uh, uh, was conducted by them and along with NBC News. And it kind of gives you an idea as to what um, the American electorate will look like in 2024 for the presidential election. 
because when you look at the number of people of Jewish uh, descent um, it, living in the United States in, uh, uh, in 2024, it's a very interesting number of people. Uh, the size of the Jewish population uh, right now, in, according to this is according to uh, Pew, uh, it, it depends on how many people, approximately 5.8 million adults are Jewish, according to Pew Research, and that goes back to, uh, that's the latest U.S. Census. The majority of people who are Jewish will vote Democrat. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but this new survey from NBC says, yes, the Democrat, uh, the vote is going to, the Jewish vote is going to be Democrat. As a matter of fact, it's, it's, the Jewish Electoral Institute conducted this poll, actually, along with NBC News. Joe Biden leads Donald Trump in, among Jewish voters 72 to 22. 72-22. I mean, that's unbelievable. But bear in mind something. As you watch what's unfolding with the Hamas attacks on Israel going back to the war that started on October the 7th and how many people don't understand, you know, the, the, they, they think these poor innocent Palestinians in Gaza are being beaten up by these massively, you know, uncaring uh, Israeli Jews. Understand something that we, I think, as Christians need to remember. First and foremost, even though Israel is God's chosen people, and that's a land that we believe the Bible says is theirs. 90% of the people who are Jewish, who live in Israel, are what we would call secular Jews or cultural Jews. Many of them are even atheistic Jews. Barack Lurie, local uh, talk show host and author, uh, turned me on to that one a few years ago, and I thought, that's crazy. He said, no, it's a cultural Judaism. It isn't so much an actual belief in God. It's not an actual belief in the Torah or the Pentateuch. It, it's just, I'm born Jewish into a Jewish family, so therefore I identify as Jewish. But up to 90% of the people who are Jewish in Israel aren't really, I mean, they're, they're culturally Jewish. They're not actually biblically Jewish. Uh, 3% of Jerusalem, by the way, is Christian. So it's not like there's a huge contingent of the faith-based uh, component go, doing battle right now in this war. So, I mean, as much as we would say, as Christians, we understand what's happening in Israel, and there's biblical significance to it. Unfortunately, that biblical significance is lost, unfortunately, on a lot of people in Israel. But think about this. If there are 5.8 million Jewish people in the United States, and let's say that 70% of them are voter eligible and, and, and ready to vote, and they're going to vote literally three to one in favor of Joe Biden, then where is the Jews for Life community that shows up and says, hey, this is a problem and we need to stop the problem. If we truly hold a biblical worldview, then this won't be an issue. And I think, unfortunately, for a lot of our Catholic friends who listen to the Bottom Line Show as well, you're listening from a biblical perspective, but there are a lot of people who are culturally Catholic who will go to Mass, who will you know, do the Our Fathers and the Hail Marys and show up when they're supposed to and tithe the way they're supposed to, but they really don't have, what is it uh, uh, God says back in Joel chapter 2? Um, your, your hearts, we talked about this last week on Ash Wednesday. He said, your, your actions tell me, you know, you're rebuilding the temple. I, I get that, but your hearts are far from me. I have a feeling that a lot of people who are professing Christians of any Christian denomination right now, we're really seeing a shaking of the tree. 
of God saying, look, I want to find out what fruit here is actual good, healthy fruit. There's a lot of fruit that's kind of rotten, kind of bad. It looks like maybe it started out as good fruit from the tree of the fruit of the vine, but I'm shaking it. It's all falling off. Not necessarily ready to be picked, but it's rotten fruit that needs to be thrown away. And I pray that as we're going through this season of discovery, as it were, that if that's your story right now, that you would find yourself looking at uh, your faith and doing a little cross-examination there. I think it's very, very important for us to have those conversations and those dialogues. Uh, 800-227-5278. And that's the number to get you through to the Bottom Line Show. Buddy Pounds and her great book, Jesus and Politics, is up for grabs. We do have a copy, 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. On the other side of this break, we're going to take a look at Oregon and also take a look at uh, another conversation that I believe is important for Christians to have during this uh, political season, and that is how can we embrace the culture one-to-one, person-to-person, with regard to the issue of the sanctity of human life. That's all coming up next as the bottom line continues. For more than 50 years, Dennis Wilson has been offering better alternatives to what the market offers when it comes to investments like certificates of deposit and real estate investment trusts. Dennis's 3D account pays even better than market interest rate. Here's Dennis to explain. So what is a 3D account and how does it work? A 3D account is a real estate-backed investment without Wall Street risk. It pays an amazing interest of 7% for the next three years. At the end of three years, you can take your money out. So you can see it's definitely not a REIT. Or you can reinvest it at 7% in a new program. Go ahead and call today and ask about the 7% account. And then while you're on the phone and ask about our accounts that pays even higher amounts for funds over 250000 Learn more about Dennis Wilson's 3D Money account, the better alternative to the Real Estate Investment Trust. Call 800-696-9970. 800-696-9970. Wilson Financial, simply better alternatives. Welcome back to this Super Tuesday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh and glad that you tuned in today as we've been looking at this fascinating poll uh, from NBC News and the Jewish Electoral Institute, basically confirming something that we've already known. Uh, the number of Jews who vote culturally as opposed to biblically in elections means that they wind up supporting political candidates that they think are going to do the most good for the culture. Uh, Right now among Jewish voters in America, Joe Biden has a lead over Donald Trump by 50 points. And you're talking about a voting block of potentially 6 million people. Uh, That could be enough to sway an election or sway a state. A few electronic, uh, um, you know, uh, few electoral college uh, issues that could easily be reversed. Boy, I'll tell you, it's, it's very, very important that we vote our consciences and uh, talk about, you know, what, you know, put our money where our mouth is. By the way, I want to thank Christopher and San Pedro for contacting us regarding uh, preborn. We've got a great $5,000 match in place right now, courtesy of Dennis Wilson at Wilson Financial Services. Uh, Christopher uh, called in a $28 monthly pledge. I love those monthly pledges. Every month, it was $28 per month. Every month, um, a woman who goes to a freeborn clinic right here in our listing area um, can go and know that she can get that ultrasound appointment, get that pregnancy test, get a counsel appointment with uh, one of the uh, medical professionals there for free. 
because Christopher's $28 donation makes that possible. Um, 833-850-BABY is the number to call. 833-850-2229, B-A-B-Y. Or you can go online at kbrightradio.com, wait for the preborn banner to show up, and then pow, hit it, go ahead and click on through. I've also got that up at my personal website, rogermarsh.com, and you're welcome to check that out. Also, John and El Cajon, thank you for your $140 donation. That means that five more kids, their lives will be saved. Every, just look at it this way. Every child, um, every time there's an ultrasound, 85% of the time, that child gets life, either in an adoptive home or in the home to which uh, I think God planned for them to be. And by the way, the, 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 the number of, uh, the, the statistics here are really staggering with preborn. Um, through the first nine months of the year, they're still compiling the fourth quarter numbers, but for the, through the first nine months of the year, there have been 80,000 babies? No, it's 50,000 babies saved and 8,000 women have come to faith in Christ because of the witness of the gospel in preborn. And by the way, in case you're wondering, bottom line listeners ponied up enough money for six more ultrasound machines at preborn clinics all across the country. Well, of course, bottom line listeners, it's right here in our neck of the woods. Let me put this in perspective for you. The number of ultrasound machines that preborn placed in clinics through the first nine months of last year is 61. And six of them came from the bottom line show. Now, you know they're running ads on other radio stations and they're doing uh, direct mail and they're doing online stuff. We are responsible for 10% of their ultrasound machines again this year. Same thing happened the year before. I think we're going to go over six this year. It's $15,000 to donate for a, uh, an ultrasound machine. We've had some listeners who've come up and said, I'll do the whole 15000 Some people have come up with a 7500 Some people have come up with 3750 Whatever God is leading you, to do right now quite frankly if we had two more people donate five thousand dollars a pop along with dennis wilson's matching gift that's one more ultrasound machine and that performs 250 ultrasounds per year for a minimum of 10 years go to kbrightradio.com and click on the preborn banner or go to 833-850-BABY on your phone and uh, you can take care of it that way as well for our KCBC audience, enjoy the rest of your day. Uh, Rabbi Schneider, Discovering the Jewish Jesus, coming up. For those who remain on the network, we're going to look at this case in the Oregon Supreme Court and uh, how they have thrown 10 GOP lawmakers off the ballot for a procedural issue that they say is critical. Uh, we're also going to take a look at four ways that we in the body of Christ, who tend to vote more conservative, can actually talk about the sanctity of human life with people who might not agree with us during this 2024 campaign cycle. It's all coming up next as The Bottom Line continues. Welcome back to this Super Tuesday edition of The Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, or welcome to, if you're just joining us. Uh, if you didn't get a chance to hear my conversation with Bonnie Pounds, uh, she is the founder of Christians Engaged. It's a great uh, Christian organization, faith-based group that helps Christians get educated, become more aware, and equipped to have conversations about the political issues that we want. It's too easy in the culture war. I was reading a great post. There's a scholar by the name of Donald Williams. I follow him on Facebook. And he posted something about how the right, the old right, you know, the Christian right, if you will, the moral majority, lost the culture war. And part of the reason why we did is because of the fact that we engaged the right issues the wrong way. And there was a lot of hateful rhetoric and a lot, I mean, we could have been very loving and compassionate in First Peter 3.15, and instead, we were we we chose to use their weapons of war, and it 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 didn't bode well for us as Christians. So the conversation 
I think is key. Bunny's book, Jesus and Politics, uh, One Woman's Walk with God and a Mudslinging Profession is a great read. And uh, we've got it up at thebottomlineshow.com. Um, you know, and when you see stories like this one out of Oregon, uh, the Oregon State Supreme Court uh, decided that they wanted to uh, punish 10 Republican state senators uh, for acting upon their conscience um, because they said, uh, here's the deal. Um, well, here's the, here's the case, and you decide whether or not you th- think the Supreme Court of Oregon uh, did the wrong thing. Last year, 10 Republican members of the state Senate participated in a record-long boycott to block bills extending access to abortion for minors and also for transgender procedures and also medical intervention. And there were a bunch of other things about ghost guns, this, that, and the other thing. Well, according to the, uh, the, the Democratic Oregon Secretary of State, LaVon Griffin Valati, uh, made an announcement last August that all 10 of these lawmakers would be disqualified from running for re-election because they were trying to stop the, bo- the boycotts. Measure 113, which was passed by voters in 2022, amended the state constitution that would bar lawmakers from re-election if they had more than 10 unexcused absences. Well, the boycott went on for six weeks. There were hundreds of bills that were stalled, and they knew they were taking a risk. Um, five of the lawmakers have sued over the Secretary of State's decision. Um, you know, they, you're going to rack up more than 10 absences if you're gone more than two weeks, right? You know, it's interesting. But they went ahead and sued. The uh, Secretary of State said, you can't do this. And so then they took it to the state Supreme Court. And the state Supreme Court has agreed. These 10 Republican state senators are no longer eligible to run for office because of this, you know, Measure 113. The problem that they say is, look, the state constitution says that Measure 113 is not enforceable. But, you know, it's interesting. They went through the right procedure in terms of putting it on the ballot, ran on the midterm election in 2022. The whole idea was to keep Republicans from doing this. But God knows if there were Democrat lawmakers doing the same thing because they were holding out for take your pick. Um, you know, it, it's interesting. According to um, uh, the Republican leader uh, and also State Senator Tim Knopp, Uh, He said, look, every legal mind I've heard from, regardless of political leanings, has affirmed that when there is only one interpretation for plain language of the law, that's final. The language incorporated into the Oregon Constitution was clear, and yet the Supreme Court ruled that voter intent, which cannot be determined by any metric, supersedes the Constitution. There is no justice in a political court. Um, It's interesting. The way that uh, Ms. Griffin Vallotti uh, was able to get this to work is she's directed her office's elections division to implement an administrative rule based on her stance. Basically, she's, they wrestled over the grammar and the syntax of the language. The amendment said a lawmaker is not allowed to run, quote, for the term following the election after the member's current term is completed. The senators claimed that the amendment meant that they could seek another term since the senator's term actually ends in January. The election happens in November. They argue that the penalty does not keep them uh, immediately from staying out of office, but rather after they've served another term. Now, that seems to make sense to me, but basically, you know the deal. I mean, the Republican has the, the 
Oregon legislature has been heavily Democrat dominated for years. And there was a Republican walkout in 2019 and 2020 and 2021. Uh, then in 2023, it's interesting. Um, literally, Democrats had to make concessions on a sweeping bill that was related to expanding access to abortion for minors and then also those transgender and medical procedures. And, and you know, again, these are all common sense things that the left uses as political footballs. Nobody wants to see anybody who's dealing with gender dysphoria denied the kind of treatment and care that they need. The question is not, do they get the care? The question is, what kind of care? I mean, and this is where the left plays against the right, and it plays in nicely to our next topic of conversation here, which is we have the right message on the conservative side of the aisle, which means typically Republican. How do we convey that message, though, to people in a post-Christian, anti-Christian world? I mean, nobody would argue if you've got a child who's 10, 11, 12, 13, and they're going through all sorts of, you know, craziness in terms of their bodies at war with them, hormones and drama, you know, we call it early adolescence. It can be overwhelming for a young girl, young boy who says, I feel like I'm in the wrong body. All my other friends are transitioning. Maybe I should be doing this too. And the world makes it look so easy. Just get a few shots, take a few pills, have a surgery, and everything's going to be fine. And we know that that is such a, what's the, uh, you know, when it comes to ending your life, people will talk about the use of the expression, that's a, a permanent solution to a temporary problem. You may wrestle with depression your whole life, but is it worth ending your life? Well, in the same way that a, a, a boy who identifies heavily as a girl and says, I want to become a woman, and then says, wait, I mean, we're seeing more and more of these young people who were starting transitioning at 15, 16, 17, now suing the hospital, saying, what were you doing to me? I, I didn't want that to happen. That, that isn't what I really wanted. What I really wanted was just to not feel this anxiety. I really wanted to, you know, to, to, to not feel like everything was so up in the air and crazy. But this is one place, and, I, and I'm going to say this lovingly, respectfully, as much as I possibly can. This is one place where we in the body of Christ really blow it. We get so wound up over things that we can see are wrong. And then what do we do? We come at people with a clenched fist or veins bulging in our neck, eyes popping out of our foreheads or whatever, because we're so incensed. And I get it. But I learned a few things in youth ministry that I've, have, have I think, proven helpful in this area of expertise. And that, along with a uh, really, I think, outstanding uh, piece by Mary Zock, who's a... Uh, uh, director of Center for Human Dignity at the Family Research Council. Uh, she wrote an op-ed piece of the Christian Post not too long ago that I want to share with you on the other side of this break that talks about, she says, four ways Republicans should talk about life in 2024 and not from the ding-dong, the witch is dead because we overturned Roe versus Wade. You saw what happened. I mean, we were, we're almost two years into post-Roe America and what's happened? The states that were friendly to the sanctity of human life have codified some things in um, in, in that genre, that, in that area. But at the same time, though, we also have uh, people who are passionately pro-abortion who've been able to rally the troops, especially in the Democrat Party, by just telling people, look, if you don't vote for uh, abortion rights, then uh, democracy is at risk. You and I both know that's not right, but how can we be more effective? In the same way, if you were a missionary going into another country, and that country maybe had a written language, maybe they did not. 
And you come in with all your American stuff and all your English language stuff, and you start preaching to them and getting mad at them when they don't understand what you're saying. Please understand, this is the world we're living in right now. The secular left does not speak agape. That they have emotions that are tied to it. Everybody has, you know, God's natural law written on their hearts. But the secular progressive left does not speak the language of Christian love. So we have to find a way to talk in a language that they understand to convey what a pro-life message is. Because you would be surprised at how many people on that side of the equation, when you present it in a way that it makes sense to them, would actually say, you know what? I agree. So let's talk about those four ways we can chart a different course in the pro-life community in 2024. Coming up next as the bottom line continues. One of the things I appreciate, and I know you do too, about preborn is the fact that they tell you the truth about where you are in pregnancy. You know, it, 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 it's amazing how the National Institute of Health and the CDC wants to classify pregnancy as a quote-unquote illness, so then they can prescribe quote-unquote treatment medication in the form of an abortion pill to end the abortion. Well, that's crazy. We know, you know and I know, that God creates each of us in the womb of our mothers, and he creates each of us uniquely for a purpose. And 85% of the women who go to preborn clinics and they don't hear the, the propaganda from the abortion industry that says you, your two choices are either abortion or misery, that there are three options. And the third one involves basically choosing life for the child and releasing that child for adoption. I want to thank a couple of people for their very generous donations to Preborn. Dean in National City made a $1,400 donation. Dave in Lake Forest, a $500 donation. Uh, and also Edward in Norfolk, Nebraska, who listens online with a 48 monthly dollar donation. Uh, go to kbrightradio.com. Click on the preborn banner and make your best donation today. It's completely tax deductible. 100% of your donation goes to ultrasound technology, and we're saving lives and saving babies through preborn. Click on kbrightradio.com, hit the preborn banner today. Welcome back to this Super Tuesday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. We are two weeks away from the Super Tuesday Day, uh, which features, of course, California, Colorado, Texas, and other states. Uh, if you're not registered to vote yet in California, uh, today's the last day you could do so and still participate in the primaries. Of course, there's early voting going on right now, uh, while most of my Republican friends are sitting on their hands saying, I'm waiting till Tuesday the 5th. And you know, do that. But please understand that there are Democrats who are flooding the ballot boxes right now, getting early returns. And when election night rolls around, the people who have waited are going to see those election results. They're going to see all the Democrat initiatives, and Democrat candidates in the lead and they may be discouraged from going to vote. If you know who you're voting for and what you're voting for, put it in the mail now. Don't wait. And encourage your friends who are kind of straggling to do that as well. Okay, uh, Mary Zock is uh, the director of the Center for Human Dignity at the Family Research Council. She has a, uh, an outstanding piece that we'll put up at thebottomlineshow.com helping us who typically vote Republican. I mean, I'm a no-party preference guy, but I have not found a compelling reason to vote for any Democrat thing in 20, 30 years. Um, here we are in the weeks post-Dobbs, and now wonder, 60% of Americans agree that abortion should be illegal after 15 weeks. I mean, so basically, when you get right down to it, the Dobbs decision, which made abortion illegal after 15 weeks in Mississippi, uh, was a no-brainer. Unfortunately, though, when it comes to defending life, public opinion polls don't always line up with the ballot box. Uh, the Democrats are claiming all sorts of victories. You know, they're saying if, if you 
have a law you know that that makes it tougher to get abortion that women will die that babies will die um you know then the report which is not true but statistically it's not but that plays very well with their base and then you've got republicans saying well we're trying to convince you that not all abortions have been banned well that no (laughs) basically i love the way she puts it she said basically here's what's happening Voters have been left with a choice. You're either going to vote for the Democrats in 2024 or vote for the Democrats in 1992. You know, So here we go. Instead of looking at language like we would want to find common sense limits and reasonable restrictions, maybe, maybe when, remember when Nikki Haley said, I think we can come to a consensus on this. It's not working. It's just not working. Um, here are four ways that Mary suggests that we can do this better. Um, state the goal. First and foremost, instead of trying to find a middle ground and explaining how we're not banning abortion, the pro-life candidates say, here's what we are doing. We're working to protect and defend every single unborn child because life is a precious gift from God. So every unborn child is precious and we want to protect that gift. Now, when you, uh, when you do so, you've got to talk about families who've been blessed with a child that was born with, you know, some developmental delays and challenges and moms who've sacrificed things to give them life and, and, and whatever. And understanding that stories change hearts. So if you have a story about why you're pro-life, don't give me statistics, don't give me Bible verses, tell your story. Don't, there, there's no middle ground. The, the name of the game is you want to protect life. Because remember, the pro-abortion Democrats who have kids are very, very pro-life when they're pregnant and want the kid. They're very pro-abortion when they don't want to feel that responsibility, number one. Number two, Mary recommends we describe who abortions kill. Remember a couple of weeks ago, Melissa Oden was on the Bottom Line show and she talked about the fact that she lived through that saline infusion that was meant to poison and scald her to death, and that this went on for days. Uh, there's another woman by the name of Claire Colwell. Her mom was 13 when she went through what she thought was an abortion. Weeks later, she realized the abortion didn't take. She was carrying twins, didn't know it, <clears throat> and she was still pregnant. One of the babies had been killed in the abortion but Claire Caldwell survived. Uh, how about Josiah Presley? This is a guy who uh, ha- lives with a deformed arm. The reason was uh, he was his mom was doing a surgical abortion. They were they thought they had killed him and were cutting limbs to try to take the body out, and his arm got deformed. Um, when I met Gianna Jessen, it's probably twelve years ago. Uh, another saline abortion back in the day. Um, she survived it, but it left her with cerebral palsy. Now, here's the thing. Instead of saying we want reasonable restrictions for abortions, basically say we've got to talk about the fact that the Democrats and the left will tell people that the abortion is the magic wand that basically eliminates whatever problem the pregnancy was going to cause. You were living your life, having a great time, you know, being your best you now, you went out and partied with somebody, you got pregnant. Or maybe you were in a deep, serious relationship, a couple of years, uh, maybe you're married and have a couple of kids, and then you don't want that third one. Abortion doesn't just wipe the slate clean and put you back to that season where everything was fine before you found out you were pregnant. Basically, it, 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 
I've heard it said, if you could convince the left that the only way to abort a child was by using a gun, you would see the end of abortion. But that's the language they understand. They hate guns. They don't like gun deaths. They want a lot of gun control. So therefore, if you say, okay, well, uh, you know, you're killing a baby in here. What if I told you that the only way to abort a child was to use a gun? That speaks the language of the left. When you see a child starving to death in a third world country, oh, that's awful. We need to get food to that child. Then explain what mifepristone does to a preborn child in the womb. Remember that baby you carried for nine months and how healthy that kid got? My daughter Emily's pregnant right now. It's due on March the 12th. The kid is seven pounds already, practically as big as his mom. He's going to walk out rather than go through a cesarean section. But Democrats want to pass legislation. They want to make sure that every state, that woman has access to kill that child with no repercussions. There will be repercussions. Your life doesn't just go back to that. There are some states like Arkansas we talked about recently where now Arkansas has a ban on abortion, but they also provide funding for pregnancy resource centers. States like Texas, where abortion is still legal, but with a lot of restrictions. I mean, the heartbeat bill kind of wipes it out, but they also allow people, if you want to uh, get a personalized license plate in Texas, there are 50 different organizations you can support. You can pay an extra fee every year that goes to a pregnancy resource center or you can give a little extra money every year that goes to Planned Parenthood. When you support that legislation, here's what you're doing. You're taking it out of the woman's right, militant, political conversation, and you're making it about women who are mothers. Talking about moms. Mothers who are women who are physically injured by an abortion. Those who had emotional uh, challenges as a result, major depression, possibly even suicidal. Tell those stories. And pastors and members of church congregations, there is a woman, I won't say if there's a woman, there is a woman, at least one, in your congregation right now who is post-abortive. She had an abortion either before she came to faith or recent statistics, CareNet tells us that four out of 10 women, it used to be 54%, now it's down to 40. 40% of the women who had abortions last year in America are regular church attenders. So when you discover who the woman or the women are who are post-abortive, let them tell their stories. Let them share about how challenging this is, the heartbreak. The reason these stories are so important is, again, stories matter. And when you talk about a woman who realizes that what she's done is killed a child, the grief can be awful. And sometimes church, let's be real. Let's be candid about this. The church has done a terrible job overall, and I'm talking about the American church, of ministering to women who are post-abortive without any measure of shame or any measure of guilt you go pray to God and do your Hail Marys or do your you know, emotional retreats or whatever you have to do. You get yourself right with God and then you can come back here instead of saying, wow, what was that like? Tell me about the stories. I've shared the story often here on this program about an elderly gentleman in my former church who found out later in life uh, from his daughter, his wife had passed away. They were going through some artifacts and everything. And she said, dad, I have something to tell you. And she told him, that she had gotten pregnant 
when she was a teenager and she didn't know what to do and she went to her mother because she trusted mom she said dad's gonna kill me if i if i tell him that this happened and she went to her mother and mom took her to get an abortion by the way mom very devout catholic woman took her to get an abortion and he looked at me and he had tears in his eyes and i, I looked at her and i said why didn't you come to me and she said because i was afraid you would disown me i was afraid you'd reject me and here was this guy in his mid-80s who found out that there was a grandchild he never got to hold and it just gutted him but those stories need to be shared because there are people who are making that decision right now and they're being told well here are the statistics you know 58 percent of women have this okay the statistics we know about but the stories are more compelling the stories will get the point across we're talking about ways that we can be more effective during the campaign season in helping people understand why the candidates we're voting for are pro-life and what pro-life really actually means. It doesn't mean I'm a hate-filled, uptight Christian who's anti-abortion. really do support the sanctity of human life. Uh, we'll take a break and come back with more of this conversation in just a moment as the bottom line continues. For more than 50 years, Dennis Wilson has been offering better alternatives to what the market offers when it comes to investments like certificates of deposit and real estate investment trust. Dennis's 3D account pays even better than market interest rate. Here's Dennis to explain. So what is a 3D account and how does it work? A 3D account is a real estate-backed investment without Wall Street risk. It pays an amazing interest of 7% for the next three years. At the end of three years, you can take your money out so you can see it's definitely not a REIT, or you can reinvest it at 7% in a new program. Go ahead and call today and ask about the 7% account. And then while you're on the phone and ask about our accounts that face even higher amounts for funds over 250,000. Learn more about Dennis Wilson's 3D Money account, the better alternative to the Real Estate Investment Trust. Call 800-696-9970. 800-696-9970. Wilson Financial, simply better alternatives. Welcome back to the Super Tuesday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Really encourage you to check out this article by Mary Zock. She is the uh, director of the Center for Human Dignity at Family Research Council, and she's identified what she calls four ways that Republicans who are pro-life can talk about life in 2024, understanding that one third of the Democrat party are pro-life as well, but their voice gets drowned out uh, amidst their party platform. If you're looking for some common ground, two thirds of Republicans are pro-life, but one third are Democrat, uh, Democrats are pro-life. Number one, state your goal. Don't try to find middle ground. Tell the story of a family who's been blessed by a child whose you know, birth was tough, who maybe they're born with fetal anomalies, uh, you know, uh, women who, immigrants who fled oppression to come to the U.S. because this is where their children are valued. Tell those stories. Stories change hearts. Number two, describe who abortions kill. For many people who support abortion, it's all theoretical. It's all about the law. It's all about your rights. It's not about human beings. Showing those ultrasound pictures like our friends at Preborn provide. Talking about what it's like to, uh, there are so many people who have survived abortions like Melissa Oden, Claire Colwell, Josiah Presley, Gianna Jessen, and others. Tell their stories. Uh, talk about the moms too. The real life pain and agony that a woman has to go through when she's facing a pregnancy that she didn't plan or she doesn't think she can go through with. We can be much more compassionate in the pro-life side of the equation, but 
Talk about the mom who says, you know what? I had an abortion and I was physically injured. There was a physical challenge to me, wasn't able to get pregnant again. I had emotional distress, whatever it is. Tell those stories too. Not from a, ha ha, I told you so. But rather from a, this is real. This pain is real. The injuries are real. And being pro-life means we want to stand up for these women and for these babies. And then finally, the candidate who cannot protect life from conception the moment they're elected, well, that's everyone. But they can take steps to bring about the day when the unborn will be protected. And a lot of candidates will make promises they can't keep. Instead of messaging that killing an unborn child could be reasonable in some instances, instead, tell a story of the beautiful gift of life, talk about the person the abortion kills, share ways that the pro-life community is helping moms in need, and then say, I don't know specifically what I can do, but I will do everything in my power to protect the life of the unborn. Instead of saying, we had to get rid of Roe versus Wade because that way there would be no more abortion. Well, obviously that wasn't the case. We've been telling you that for years here at the Bottom Line Show. All that meant was federal Supreme Court ruling would be thrown out because it was not constitutionally sound. And now the states have to make the decision and the states are making their decisions and we're pretty much a divided nation. Pretty much right down the middle on that. But this is a war or a battle, I should say, that we can win with the right messaging. Let our light so shine before others that they see our good works. And then in seeing those good works, glorify our Father in heaven because they know it's not us doing those works, it's him doing them through us. If you, you know, the whole idiom, uh, work as if everything depends on you and pray as if everything depends on God, it sounds good in theory, but oftentimes we spend so much time working as if everything depends on us that we forget the prayer component as well. I want to encourage you, I want to exhort you today as you think about voting, as you get your registration in order to take part in the California primaries in two weeks, that you think biblically, think about what God would have us do. Remember, this world is temporary, but our eternal home is forever. How is what you're doing today influencing the way you will live for eternity? Some food for thought and some good news today here on The Bottom Line.